Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following big interview was posted in full for our socios, our members, our friends, our supporters at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. And that was last season, 2019-20. Sign up there and you'll get every interview we produce before it's released on the main feed, plus the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A. You'll also get bonus content every month, including the audio versions of my regular columns for ESPN. And what's more, you'll be supporting us. You'll be keeping this independent podcast on the road. Thank you. Even if you never watched Andrea Orlandi play, even if you're not a big Barcelona or Swansea or Brighton fan, even if you don't follow Italian second division football or Indian football, Andrea Orlandi is somebody I've been working with on La Liga television recently, and he's extraordinary. He's easily one of the best television analysts of football I've ever worked with or listened to. He'll tell us interesting things about a future guest on the big interview, uh, Brendan Rogers, who he counts to be the best, spoiler, uh, amongst a group of coaches which he had, which includes Gus Poyet, Michael Laudrup, Frank Reichard, Paolo Sousa, and on and on and on. You're going to love Andrea Orlandi because he's exceptional about explaining the beauty of football, a life in football, and he speaks better English than what I do. See you on the other side. You you also reached the cup semi final, right? With Alaves. With Alaves, yes. Correcto. Yes. Mendes de Rosa. <laughs> yes. What's it like? Menizo Rosa, uh, now uh, it's very different from what it was uh, when I was there. Because um, not the stadium, uh, the atmosphere. I mean, now it's, uh, it's improved a lot, uh, Graham. I didn't know that. I thought then maybe it would still be the same. I signed for a club that was in the Europa League, in the UEFA at the time. You signed for them only... What, two, two years? Two years after, after they, that, yes. The Liverpool final. Yes, they, yes, they yes. are in the final of what's now the Europa League. Yes. In one of the greatest European finals ever. Absolutely. But the season uh, I signed, the, the team got relegated. Um, you know, I was on only 17. Uh, but the team got relegated from La Liga. We had a season in Segunda División with Pepe Mel, where we were hot favourites to get promoted. We had Martin Palermo coming into the team. The big lump of Argentinian strikers. Exactly. Boca Juniors. Exactly. Missed three penalties in a match once, Ex- but we'll forget that yeah. for a moment. And he gave me good advices as well. I remember I remember him. I told, I talked to you before about, you know, people wanting, wanting to make these good crosses, these unbelievable crosses. And, and he said to me, you don't need to do that. You just put it in the box because I'll do the rest and then I thought okay you know it, it's not about looking good you know and look, you know myself look good it's, it's actually helping the team 
So Martin Palermo was a really nice guy as well. So we had a great team and we couldn't get promoted that, uh, that year. And the fans kind of didn't follow the team as much as they do now. You wow. know, they lost that, you know, that feeling. Uh, you know, at Vitoria, you have the Basconia, you know, the basket, basketball team, which is big. And, and at the time was bigger than, than Alaves. But then again, Vitoria is a, it's a great city. Uh, the club had two training grounds. They still have now. Uh, it was, everything was set up brilliantly. It was, was well organized. The guy that signed me, uh, that signed me for Alaves now is the sports director of uh, Atletico Madrid, uh, Luis Rodriguez, you know, alongside uh, Andrea Berta. And it was, a, it was a great club. I mean, it was a great experience and it really helped me because I needed to get out of my, of my house. You know, I come from a, from a family, Italian parents. Uh, I was born here in Barcelona and I had an easy life at home. My parents had money at the time and I needed to get out and just do it by myself. You know, I thought, uh, I really felt that, that I needed it. I needed it to my career to develop myself, not only as a player, but as a person. Yeah, you toughen up. With inverted commas, you become a man, but also you need to be exposed to new challenges, risks, people being tough, no parents to go home to look after you. Exactly, you have to change. exactly. And, uh, and Vitoria for me was, was crucial. It's a beautiful club, Alaves. Obviously, when I was there, then uh, we couldn't get promoted that season. Uh, Peterman took over. You remember Dimitri Peterman. Dimitri Peterman. Maybe with Jesus Gil, the craziest club owner. Spain has ever seen, maybe? Uh, or the craziest? Graham, the, the speeches of Dimitri Peterman, I should have recorded. What do we tell people? He was a Ukrainian? Yes. I think he had some sort of Olympic athlete back He was an athlete uh, living in America. Or, or some... Did he throw the discus or what did he do? Something like that. Remember. Something like that. But he's, he's a big unit, right? Exactly. Yeah. Very big. Now, he's the chairman uh, getting, uh, getting dressed as, a, as the player and taking the warm-up for training. <laughs> so it's like, what is this? Then he had his hammer, the car. He put this big, uh, the speakers. So we had uh, hip-hop music for the whole <laughs> session. It was, it was absolute hell for two hours. But we got promoted to La Liga with Dimitri Peterman because we had good, great players. And he was in a row with the federation because he didn't have a license and he was pretending he wasn't the coach, but he thought he was. He was uh, we had Chuchikos as a coach, but it was Dimitri Peterman you know, picking up the team. It was a crazy experience, uh, Graham. For a young uh, player, you know, coming through, it was difficult for me. So Oliver Burke, our Scottish guy who's there right now, is, is not going to have the same experience, but he's at a club that he should cherish. No, the, the club is, is fantastic. Now the fans are back with the team. Uh, it's a beautiful city. Uh, you know, you got everything uh, at Vitoria. It was, a, it was a moment where, you know, the economical problems started as well. Uh, there was financial problems. So it was... It was difficult for me. But you uh, do reach the Copa semi-final. I am right about that. Yes, you are right. Uh, I played in the Copa del Rey against Valladolid. Uh, we reached the semi-finals against Zaragoza. We didn't get beat. We drew at home 1-1. And we drew a La Romareda nil-nil. And this is the Zaragoza that will go on to win it, right? They won it against Real Madrid, the, Real Madrid, the Galacticos Real Madrid at Montjuic. Montjuic. Yes, yeah. that, was a, that was a year. And I remember playing against Zaragoza and, and you know, seeing you know, the first... Uh, you know, probably the special players you know that I saw in my career. Uh, you know, David Villa being one of them. That I was really impressed with him. Uh, I remember that game at La Romareda. I thought, wow, this player is. You know, this is what football is all about. This is what La Liga is all about. You know, different level, different stories. And I want to be at that level. And I remember, you know, a packed full stadium at La Romareda. Uh, we couldn't make it. We were a Segunda División team playing against a good La Liga team. But still, to make it into the semifinals was was big for Al for Alaves. Can you tell me, 
how many European or international trophies your managers won? If no. you can, I can. <laughs> so, dear listeners, we're talking to a guy, and already, um, I think he's done something special for you. I feel this. They, they call it Piel de Galina here. The hairs in the back of the neck are standing up because you were, you were with the greats and you've described them beautifully. Well, I want to look at your CV. Your managers, or your principal managers, between them won 24 international trophies, either as coach or player. Your managers won eight Champions Leagues. And I'm going to list them now. So we, we know about Reichard, Pepe Mel, he didn't win so many European trophies. Reichard, Pepe Mel, Roberto Martinez, Paulo Sosa, Brendan Rodgers, Gustavo Poya, Oscar Garcia, Michael Ladrop. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Some pretty shit-hot football people love to have you as their player. <laughs> you confused me now because I do some research. You told me that... It, you said that it was Paulo Sousa persuaded you to come to uh, Swansea. No, I to, stay, was, to, stay, to stay. To stay at Swansea. Because Roberto Martinez is the guy, who, a fellow Catalan. Yes. I don't know what became of him, but maybe his career <laughs> stayed quite nice. When, when you leave Alaves, you, you, you're taking a bet on yourself. And yes. you said that you read people well. So I guess you don't know Roberto too well, like maybe you knew him, but when he says to you, come to Swansea, I guess you say, where's that? I, I'll I tell, yes, absolutely. I'll tell you the story. He saw me playing uh, for Barcelona's first team in the Copa Catalunya that we spoke before. And he's friends with Jordi Cruyff. Very uh, close friends. Yes. So Jordi Cruyff, I, I knew him from Alaves. Uh, he calls me and says, listen, Andrea, uh, there is this manager, Roberto Martinez, he's a good friend of mine, obviously I didn't know anything about him, he's the coach of Swansea, Swansea, he, he told me Swansea as the Chelsea, Chelsea's League One, uh, Chelsea's from League One, so he's a club that, you know, uh, they're going to win the league, they, they want to get promoted to the championship, you know, they're ambitious, blah, 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 so I thought, okay, but where is Swansea, I didn't have a clue where Swansea was, so I checked, I thought, okay, that's Wales, uh, well, uh, I'll speak to him, you know, no problem, so Roberto calls me, Andrea, can you come to Swansea? I was on the contract. This, uh, I shouldn't talk about this, but I will, I will, I will do that for you and the listeners. So oh, it's done. It's happened. <laughs> listeners, this isn't going to be like front page headlines. <laughs> <laughs> so he, they pay me a flight. So I go with my dad, and we went to we went to Swansea. So we we landed in Bristol. We had this guy Hugh Lake, the players liaison from. He, he, from Swansea. I think he's still there. He's still there, Lakey. Yeah. And he just puts this CD on the car. He had a, uh, an old BMW, I remember, about Swansea songs. And it was, <laughs> it was that, that drive was an hour, 45 minutes of just Swansea songs. Where I couldn't speak any English. My dad, you know, could barely uh, speak a bit. Uh, so we, <laughs> we arrived at Swansea, a big headache, because honestly, my head was going to explode. I didn't want to tell him, you know, you know the, the songs were a bit too much. Put that, put that music off. <laughs> So we, we arrived to Swansea and then um, we, go, we go to the hotel, uh, they put me in, in the best hotel at Swansea and we go to the restaurant, Roberto Martinez is there, well dressed, you know, very edu educated and he tells me about Swansea, you know, the idea of, of, uh, of Swansea, the ambition, the plan, four years in the Premier League, I said okay. And, and he goes, let's have a look at the stadium. So we go to the stadium, he shows me the stadium and he goes, because Roberto liked that. I can see, you know, the fans, the fans there, the Jack Army, I can see them singing your name, blah, blah, blah. So he showed me all about it. I said, okay, Roberto, that's, that's great. Now I have a contract. <laughs> so what can we do? And he said, no, we cannot pay. I said, 
well, that maybe, you know, this is not going to happen. Uh, but I said, thank you very much, you know, for, you know, for the opportunity you gave me to come here to, to know the club. So I just come back to Spain, start the preseason with Alaves. Uh, what happens is Alaves goes into administration. So now there's the opportunity to go free. To go free. So I, wait, I waited my options and I had a big offer from Greece, from uh, Aris Saloniki. Mm-hmm. Aris Saloniki. Or a really bad offer from Swansea <laughs> in terms so of... The, the financial difference between Swansea and Aris is... Was huge, was huge. Mm-hmm. And uh, adding to, uh, to that, you know, my family um, uh, lost everything. So my dad lost his job. So all the, the good position we had disappeared. So my dad uh, had to sell the house and it was... All, Financial security is now it's vital gone, not just for you, but for my family. So I, had, I have a sister... My mom and dad, obviously, uh, they lost the house, they lost the job. So it's all on me. And what do you do? You take the money or you take the opportunity and, and say, okay, maybe now I'm, I'm not going to have the money. But you know, How did you make that decision? It was difficult, Graham. I, I didn't sleep. I lost, I lost a lot of hair. It was great. It was, I was under a lot of pressure. Um, I cried. Uh, but then I thought, I could see ahead and, think, and thought, listen... You know, maybe Greece now is the money, but in two years it's me done. My career is done. Swans is a great opportunity to beat myself up and become a Premier League player, where, uh, who, which was my dream. It wasn't easy, but I took the Swansea way, and, and, and obviously it worked. It, it, it could have gone, you know, either way. Maybe. But in the moment, I think it says a lot for your analytical side, and by then your faith in yourself. You, you talked earlier on about self-confidence or sufficient confidence maturity in order to to back yourself or do the right things and in that instance you took decidedly the more risky route absolutely yes and i think many many people intelligent or stupid would have said look the money now is the big thing and nobody really could have criticized them for that so whatever criteria you use to reach your decision they were good ones. And my friends, uh, my friends used to tell me, oh, you are crazy, where are you going? What is, what is League One? You know, Segunda B in, in England. Uh, you don't know the league, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, no, no, this is the right, this is the right decision. You know, like Roberto Martinez really uh, made me believe that that was the, the right decisions. And once I signed the contract, um, Hugh Lay gave me a bag with my, my training kit. And he goes, well... You know, I'm picking you up at four o'clock, you know, be, get changed and I'll pick you up. And I'm thinking, why, why do I have to get changed in the hotel, <laughs> you know, if there's a, there's a training ground? So I didn't get changed. Uh, but once we got into the training pitch, I understood why. There was no dressing room. <laughs> so players were driving, were driving on their kids uh, straight into the so pitch. So they were wearing the kids driving. They were wearing the kids to... driving, just put their boots on and just train, back in the cars, go home and get showered. So... So I was getting changed in, the, in this car park, <laughs> and I'm thinking, what, that's, what? That's, listen, in British car parks, that's a dangerous thing to be doing. It was, it was. People can read the wrong signs. And <laughs> <laughs> but Graham, it was raining, it was cold already, it was uh, 1st of September, because I signed the last day of the, of the transfer window, and it was muddy, the pitch was muddy, we didn't have lights uh, to train, it was, and, uh, and then again, I went back to the hotel, and I called my, my girlfriend, my wife now, and I said, what have I done? You know, it's, <laughs> this, is, this is crazy. Uh, but then again, my debut was at Ellen Road, 32,000 full stadium. Fact. Special and, atmosphere, special stadium, yes, right? Yes, Ellen Road for me is my favorite stadium uh, in, the, in the UK. 
the atmosphere there is is rocking. I mean, did, did you know about their history at all? I guess I knew not. about Leeds. I Leeds remember Barcelona was a thing I way remember. before you were born, but it, it it's part of Leeds Barcelona and the Cruyff team, and Leeds knocking Barcelona out is part of history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember them. Uh, I actually bought uh, bought the Leeds the Leeds uh, shirt, the Nike one, when they played in the Champions League against Barca. You know, wow. I like the badge. I like yeah. the team. They had good players. Uh, obviously Viduka I remember Alan Smith uh, Ian Hart uh, all these players so I thought okay that's different you know this is why I came here you know to play in front of these crowds these stadiums I remember I was coming on I was going to make my debut we were nil-nil as I was coming on they scored the first one I come on and the ball comes to me that was my first ball in English football and I remember the name of the player David Pratton so I thought, well, this is Spain. You know, I'll have time to control the ball and, and play. So this guy comes at the back of me, just pushes me away. I just landed three yards away of where I was. He takes the ball, shots and scores. Oh. So I thought, and then my teammates were looking at me like, what, what are you doing? And I thought, okay, this is a wake-up call. Welcome to England. But then I played well. We lost the game 2-0. But then I, understand, I understood straight away that, this I had, quickly. Yes, that I had to change. It took me five months to change, Graham. Uh, to get used to it, to the training regime, to the physical part of it, to the rhythm. And then I injured my knee as well, which didn't help. So I was out for the rest of the season. That first season was really difficult, Uh, obviously, because what I said about my parents, Mm. uh, the adaptations as well. Roberto, in a way, took me to Swansea, but now I I thank him for that. He left me and the other, you know, Spanish players. uh, He didn't help us too much because he wanted us to... To make it ourselves. It's called tough love. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, you, know, you have to find your way. You have to find the language. You have to cope with the food, the, Absolutely, the temperature, yeah. the language, everything. And uh, and now I thank him for that. Uh, at the time, it was it was difficult. I struggled. So that first year was was really difficult. But we got promoted to the championship. The the first five months were, were like this, where I was stopping. I was fouled, like or I thought I was fouled, and, and the referees never gave me those fouls, and the fans got. A bit frustrated with me as well, and now when I see when when I watch the games here, I can't I can't have that. <laughs> it's like you know, I, I think why why is he not running? Why is he stopping? Your so, heritage now is Catalan, Italian, Welsh, English. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yes, but uh, Roberto uh, said one thing to me. Uh, there's two options here. Oh, either you go you you stay here for six months and want to go back home, or you will stay here for ten years. And you know, I took the second the second option. So I stayed in England for, for a long time because I loved it. I want to, again, get your witness status because Swansea didn't only come up. And, and I, think you've, I think you feel proud of their pride in being the f- first Welsh club in the Premier League, yes. right? Which is a, is a big deal to them. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like this to Cardiff, Cardiff right? yeah. <laughs> you then go on to train probably only for a couple of weeks with Loudrop. A little bit of pulse, so it changes your position. But the, the guy who fascinates me is Brendan Rogers. Yes. Who's an extraordinary, I think he's an extraordinary communicator. Absolutely, yeah. Um, really talented coach. He's currently very in vogue at the moment. But I remember him calling me from when he was your coach. Um, he knew I was here. He got my number. I knew of him. He'd come through the, the ranks at Chelsea. He'd seen things that encouraged him. And he wanted to come and watch Pep Pep's Barcelona training. I said, listen, mate, um, I will help you, but you're very associated with Mourinho's Chelsea and Pep and Mourinho, I'm not so sh- you, know, you better look at... But now, he's a really clever man because having nearly won the title at Liverpool and changed things at Liverpool to go to Scotland 
and advance your career is is a big achievement. Yeah. My country now is seen as a as a backward yeah. or a backward step, and it, it hasn't been for him. Could Brendan as easily have done what he did with Swansea if Roberto Martinez's original architect work hadn't been there? I do, think. Do they blend? They they do blend, and I think that that he he chose Swansea uh, because of that because he it had an experience at Reading where he got sacked. Uh, so his career was in a in a difficult moment, and he took a risk coming to Swansea. But he knew that that philosophy worked for him because, as you say, he's a big fan uh, of Pep Guardiola of Barcelona. Uh, after you know, I remember on Mondays going to his office talking about the Barca game, uh, he said, "Mi amigo." He was always he used to say to me because he likes to speak a bit of Spanish as well, and it was funny the way he was doing it. Uh, mi amigo, you know, well, what, do, what do you think about the game? Well, uh, so Sky's coverage of Spanish football was big for him, big for you. Yeah, absolutely. No, listen, I love, <laughs> I love Sky. I love the, you know, Revista de la Liga. I was always there watching uh, Spanish football, and, and he was, um, he was a big fan of uh, of Barca, the style of play, and then he loved it when they called us Swansilona. <laughs> because because he was, he was the and it was the Swansea way because we wanted to play football from the back and um, and for me um, Roberto Martinez he did great you know that transition from British old style four four two to four three three he made that he was brave enough to do that then Paulo gave us uh, you know the tactical side of it because we were really good at going forward but we couldn't defend really well and then Brendan was the perfect blend with the perfect mix between uh, Roberto and, and Paulo. Because tactically he was good, but then he wanted us to play and play attractive football and be, and be focused as well on the... Could you try to give us some examples of what it was that Brendan was teaching or asking that brought the mix together? It was, uh, first of all, um, he liked the possession, but he always said possession with penetration. Good. I mean, yeah. uh, you need to have that... that not end. for no reason. Exactly, not for no reason. Um, we had a rule that we had to get the ball back in, within five seconds if you didn't get the ball back within five seconds, there was a punishment. So you made sure that you got that ball back. Uh, and in, then tactically, on, okay, in a match though, if you don't win the ball back after five seconds, then you have what, to are, what are the instructions about how to regroup? Uh, there was, um, depending on where the ball was, uh, we had a way of doing it. Uh, for example, if we, let's say, we lose the ball on the right wing uh, and we weren't able to recover it, then we had to re- regroup and reshape and wait you know, how, on, the, on the halfway line. In a way, so there was always, depending on where we lost it, uh, we had the right movements and we did the right movements to, uh, to recover position and, you know, and be solid at the back. How similar, never mind the quality of players, how similar to the, the, the Guardiola Barca that you were watching in concept? Well, it was, it was similar. It was similar because we were, we were a team, we had pacey wingers, we had Nathan Dyer, Scott Sinclair. Uh, hard-working players as well, so they, they were not afraid of uh, of go out and and uh, you know impress. And uh, we just uh, we killed teams in the championship. I mean, we we outplayed you know big teams with a bigger budgets, a lot bigger budgets. We had one of the lowest uh, because we had this idea. Uh, you know, we were playing from the back. We, they couldn't they couldn't get near us. You know, uh, some games we were playable. So. Uh, and then we had the other side of it as well because in the UK, okay, if you play only fancy football, you don't get, uh, you don't get anywhere. Uh, you don't go anywhere. So, I mean, you need the other side as well, the second balls, you know, the intensity. And we were always first to the second balls. It took us a little bit. It took us a while, but once we got going, uh, you know, we made it into the playoffs and uh, and and won the playoffs at Wembley against Reading. 
That must have been quite a a special three four days. Look, you, you're you're a bit pissed off not to, but you've got them there and you've taken them up. I'll tell you Wembley the story. Is a great experience for you, but over that weekend and and to, because it's one of the great five four five days of my life in that we finished the Revista, last day of the season. We go then to the Thames in Richmond. We have an extremely wild party. We've got karaoke singing and so. Stay up all night. Uh, I go straight on to television on Saturday morning, having not been to bed. <laughs> Only my dad notices phones. He says, Wait, "Did you have a big night, Dad?" Yeah. <laughs> BBC Breakfast TV. Martin Ferguson, Alex's brother, for lunch in London, and off to the game. Reports the game. Uh, reporting the game at, at Wembley. It was quite a good game. Um, into the dressing room afterwards with PK and Chavi and the trophy and. A little anecdote that I mentioned in the Barca book about Javi stopping to have a conversation with me about how I described the game and then coming away and thinking that's one of the most magical experiences of my life. But I didn't have a promotion uh, party to come on Monday <laughs> like you did. So we, you live the same. You live Barcelona taking over London, playing the best game of football possibly the Champions League's ever seen. I don't know how you partied or didn't party or whatever. <laughs> oh, Brendan and you must have been in contact <laughs> during the whole game. And then Monday you're promoted to the Premier League. Uh, it, was a, it was a big weekend. I remember we, uh, we were training near London. And the morning after the Champions League final, we went, we went to Wembley to have a look at the stadium, to see the pitch, to kind of get used to the, you know, the, the stadium. And it was all cleaned up already. And I thought, wow. And there was already the Swansea badge you know, on one side, the Reading one on the other. So I'm thinking, wow, this is, this is good organization. So, I mean, the morning after the Champions League final, everything was, you know, was ready for our final the next day. So for me... So you didn't go to watch Barca? I didn't go... Was I, there ever a question of trying to break curfew, sneak out? Did Brendan go? Was, was it in question? No, 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 no. It was... Um, no, because uh, for us, it was, was crucial. I mean, it was a, a life-changing game you know, two days after. So for me, you know, I'm someone that it's quite focused. And when, when, there, was, when, the, when there was a big game, but not, not only because it was a, the playoff final, any game that I played in my career, you know, two, three days before, uh, it's me. It's me done. I'm focused. You know, when, when I became a dad, you know, I slept in a different room. You know, I took it very seriously because I needed to be at 100% uh, ready for that game. Uh, otherwise... You know, I would let my teammates and the fans down, my myself down first. So this is echoes of Sanetti, and you really learn from that. Yeah, exactly, Sinetti, exactly. You really learn. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So no, no, no. I watched the game on TV. I, I celebrated a little bit after, uh, but obviously we had the playoff final, which was so important for the club. And I, because what happened was uh, the year before we missed the playoffs by one point, and Blackpool got into the playoffs, and Blackpool got promoted. And I remember Hugh Jenkins, the chairman, the pre-season after going. Listen, if, Black, if Blackpool did it, we have to do it. So this season, uh, you know, the target is promotion. So I thought, wow, this for Swansea, you know, is a big statement. And uh, it was £90 million pounds at the time, uh, you know, there for, for Swansea to Each? take. Uh, or, oh, this was the, <laughs> this was the, the prima. No, 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 no. Okay, okay, okay. No, no. We like to be clear on the beginning. <laughs> so it was it was very important for Swansea, uh, you know, as a club to actually progress uh, to win that game. You know, is uh, if you see Swansea now, obviously, as I said before, we didn't have a training ground. Uh, we, we used to wash our own kids. The club, 
to make a step forward, needed that, needed that win, needed that money, and needed to get into the Premier League. So there was big pressure as well for us. And um, and that day at Wembley, I was I was out of the of the 16. And uh, the morning of the game, Brendan calls me and goes, Andrea, can you come into my room? I was sharing rooms with, with Angel Rangel. And I say, Angel, I think I'm out. I think uh, if he calls me, it's, uh, and he goes, no, no, no chance. What happened again that season, Graham, I was playing up until January, and then I got injured. Joe Allen comes into the team. I didn't, I didn't make it back into the first 11. I couldn't do it. Joe Allen did great, and he deserved to keep his place. Fair play. But I was... I was on the bench for the last games. I was on the bench, you know, in the semi-final against, uh, against Nottingham Forest. Uh, so the minimum I was expecting was being on the bench at Wembley. Claro. So I got into Brendan's room and I, and I thought that it was genuine. I believe in, in Brendan. I think he's a, he's a good man and he's a genuine man. And he was crying. And, and he goes, Andrea, this is the most difficult decision of my career. I need a, I need a defender on the bench because Gary Moon, the captain, was physically not, you know, not 100%. And then I was a bit uh, probably harsh on him. I said, well, I said, I said to him the first thing, well, you're ruining the best day of my life. <laughs> but it was true. Yeah. But then again, Brendan, I'll be there to support the team and, mm-hmm. and all the best. And I, and I want us to get promoted. So just went back into the room and, and then I, it was me crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because you're not the same, Graham, to celebrate, you know, no. wearing a suit. No, that having your boots doing the warm up, even been in the bench on the pitch. Exactly, it's, I know. I it wasn't the same feeling, but you know, once the once the game finished, he comes to me and he says, "Andrea, you are a Premier League player. You know, mm. congratulations." I said, "Now, Brendan, congratulations." There's, That's a nice human touch. Yeah, yeah. He was, he's a, he was a, he was a family man, Brendan. He had a lot of problems as well. Um, you know, a difficult life, and he was, he had big, he has a big heart. And I still, and I st- I'm still in contact with him, you know. And he was very honest with me, uh, and this is something that I really appreciate because yeah. once we got into the Premier League, the chances were limited as well. But he was, uh, he was always honest. Uh, sometimes when he had to be harsh, he was. But I'm someone that takes things if I think that they are fair, and probably I'm not doing the right things. Okay, you know, I'll take it. You can process. I can process it. Now, if I don't agree, I will tell you. And with Brendan, I had this kind of relationship, you know, this uh, confidence to say uh, what I thought. And and this is why now we have a really good relationship. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Our sponsors are Bet365, and they've asked, is Brendan Rodgers a future Premier League winning manager? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, well, in Italy, in Italy got Liverpool, you know, champions, and that was... I was really sad that obviously to have uh, you, you remember that uh, Gerard when he slipped and, uh, and then Chelsea scored and they ended up losing that title. Uh, I, I didn't think Liverpool had the best team, but Brendan, you know, took the best out of those players and they believed in him. And he's someone who look at Leicester now, the way they're playing, what they're doing. Uh, he's got it. He's got it. He has something special in him, and um, he makes you believe in him. And uh, and one really good thing, uh, if you're not playing, you look forward for the training sessions, even if you're not playing. And this is probably, if not the only manager I've had uh, that had this, one of the few. Uh, because when you're not playing, this is the most difficult part for a manager, to have players involved and you know ready to go and ready. So he, he made you hungry and he made you wanting to, to train and prove yourself in in the training ground and he's a, he's a great coach what did he do in training if somebody shouted get rid of it <laughs> he stopped training <laughs> he stopped training once uh, when uh, yeah, one player was under pressure and he was rushing and one of the teammates shouted get rid of the ball get rid of it and he stopped it he stopped it. <laughs> he went eh, stop 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 if you say that again you're out you know you're not in this team so this is what Brendan's all about Wembley was tearful that day and um you almost lost an arm as well, didn't you? Um, uh, what, during the stress of that, was somebody punching your arm during the game? <laughs> yes, the the analyst, which is uh, who works for for Brendan now, um, I can't remember his name now. So, no, but he's sitting next to you on the bench. He's sitting next to me on the bench. That 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 game was um, uh, we were three 0 up. Then Reading scores two. Then they hit the post. Gary Monk saves it from the line, clears it from the line. So I mean, the tension was was huge, uh, and I was and I kept getting punched <laughs> on the bench by by the analyst. Uh, and uh, listen, I ended up with uh, with a swollen arm, and uh, <laughs> but you know it was worth it. It was worth it. At the end of the game, we hugged each other, and uh, Chris Chris was his name. <laughs> but honestly, yeah, at the time I didn't I didn't feel anything because I was I was deep into the game. But uh, I ended up having this swollen arm and all this, uh, you know, these bruises all over it. But Andrea, top level football brings brings punishment. Yeah, 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 of course. Problems, absolutely. 
I'm really interested in this answer because Bet365 also asked me to ask you two things. How will the top four finish in La Liga this season? So it's a long way away, so it's a guess. And, you know, if it's an unfair question, I'll go first. But how do you, how do you think the top four finish this season at the end of La Liga? Uh, for me, Graham, uh, this season, at the start of the season, if I looked at the teams, I thought, well, Atletico Madrid will be challenging Barcelona for the title. Seeing how they started, I, I still think that Barcelona has it and uh, will, will end up winning the La Liga. Even though Real Madrid, with all the problems they had, uh, they are capable of overturning these kind of situations and winning games with, with quite ease. But I, I, I can't see them consistent enough. Now, Barca, without Messi, they started without Messi, uh, physically in not top condition, struggling away from home. Once they get it right, well, they, they're still top of the league. So I'm thinking, I'm assuming that once they get it right, for me, they, they are favourites to win it. So, so one Barca? One Barca. Then it will be either Real of, or Atletico Madrid. I'll go for Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, and probably Sevilla. This, these are my, my top four. I wish probably Real Sociedad uh, being one of the top four. But I, I because see, of their brand of football? Yes, I love the way they play. And I love the players they have. A lot of left-footed, you know, talented players out there. So I can see myself being part of that team. So that's why I... I can make a phone call if you want. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> And this, this before we finish, because we can't stop without talking about your love of Brighton and a mutual friend working for Gusboyet, which is just yes. must have been the experience of a lifetime. I'm really serious about this. This is because of how highly I rate what I listen to to when I hear you doing TV analysis of football. Our sponsors, Bet365, want to know what would you like to see and hear more of in football punditry or football analysis. Well, obviously, for me, when I was um, when I was watching TV and watching uh, you know football programs, what I, what I really like it's uh, the pure part of football. I mean, the tactical analysis, or not only that, also what really happens in the dressing room. Why uh, is the coach picking this player? Um, you know, the thought behind it, uh, because normally people sit down and see uh, well. You know, he's changed the formation. Uh, he should be playing this player, that player. Uh, so everyone, you know, sitting at home on the sofa is quite easy to be coaches. So when I see when I see a TV program and I see people explaining why, you know, giving the reasons uh, behind that a manager's decision or a tactical decision or a tactical change, this is what I really like to see. Uh, the insight, you know, what really happens in the dressing room. To give to the viewers uh, something that they... They won't, uh, they won't normally get because they haven't been in, into, into a dressing room. So, you know, being able to explain to them uh, why things happen, uh, what's the reason behind them, how they happen as well. Um, you know, what's the, what's the thought process of a coach, you know, picking one player, you know, in front of the other, um, you know, making decisions, making the substitution. So this is what, what I really like. This is football. Mm. Uh, this is football. It's not like, no, he doesn't like him or he doesn't like his wife or... No, uh, you know, I really like the uh, talking about football, pure football. One of the things I think you're referring to is that the more I listen, we had a... Yesterday we had a, a long conversation. Sometimes it was a conversation. Sometimes it was just listening. <laughs> with Miguel Cardoso. And yeah. one of his themes was how many obstacles... How many multi-obstacles a player and a coach or a director of football must get over that people don't know about, they have no understanding about. Sometimes, without talking about Miguel's experience, 
Sometimes clubs can be run in a really stupid way. And when you see the product on the grass on a Saturday or Sunday, you can like it or not, but very few people understand maybe how much rubbish has gone on from the club or the president or the, the trainer or the physio or the players or the agents or whatever it might be. There's so much to wade through to get a good performance. Uh, Graham, that's, uh, the performance on the, on, of the, on the pitch is a reflect of, reflection of what happens you know, during the week, what's happen, what happens in the club uh, you know, that people don't know. This is, not, uh, this is normal. This happens in every, in every job. Uh, you know, but the life of a footballer, that's why, you know, I will never speak uh, and I will never criticize uh, a footballer uh, in a way. I can, I can talk about his performance and say, okay, he didn't play good or he played well or, or something like this, but I will never criticize a player because I know what it takes to be a footballer and it's, it's not easy. You know, there's more, there's a lot more lows than, than ups, there's more downs than ups. But once you get, you know, you get an app, you get a, a, a nice moment, it's, I mean, the feeling that you get is, is so intense, it's so nice, that all the bad moments, uh, you know, are worth it. Because probably in, in, during my career, and this is my experience, I'm talking about myself, uh, you know, I've had lots of injuries, I've had moments where I wasn't picked, uh, moments where I thought I was going to give up uh, and, and, and retire earlier. And now thinking back, I'm thinking, how stupid I was now that I'm not playing. Hmm. You know, I miss it every day. Uh, I miss, uh, you know, uh, for example, today uh, it's a Thursday. And uh, on, a, on a normal week, I'll be thinking, well, on Saturday, well, who we got? Uh, we got Sheffield Wednesday. And I'm thinking about Sheffield Wednesday. And, and I'm thinking about how am I going to play? Uh, I don't have that. I don't have that anymore. So now the weekends for me are not... You know, I don't have that, you know, that target. And it kills me mentally as Let, well. Let's say you don't have that fix. Exactly. Because it is, it's a healthy addiction, but it's an addiction. It, it's an addiction, yeah. And, and, and I'm addicted to the smell of the grass, for example. Yeah, yeah. And, and to coming into a dressing room, the banter, uh, you know, being in an, an, in an environment where there is problems because uh, there are, you know, um, 25 uh, players, every single one has a story, has a family, has problems. What I, what I would like to see and what I would like to do is just to give an insight and to uh, actually help people to realize that it's not that easy and there are things behind it that, you know, maybe not, not telling everything, no. but just, you know, giving some information that could, could help the viewers to see that, you know, the life of a footballer, it, obviously you see the 90 minutes of them on the pitch and you judge them for what they do, but there's so much more behind and uh, that people uh, should get to know a little bit more. I think you educate. I, I, as a consumer of football, I always want to learn. And I see so many professionals, managers or, or players, dialing it in. Here's my opinion, and, and that'll have to do for you. No good for me, thank you. <laughs> if it's the opinion of somebody I really respect, then I'll take it. But I want depth. I want background. I want something that takes me from where I'll, I'm already at into knowledge I don't have or even little details which make me go oh that sharpened up my thinking and, and everybody deserves that everybody mm -hmm. deserves that on radio on television and our industry journalism or broadcasting needs to be better at it but we need players pro professional players like you who, who want to educate who want to say okay you'll have your own opinions you can draw your own conclusions but here's the reality this this is um, if you don't understand these little details then your picture and is this incomplete is, and this is from my point of view, Graham, who I was a, a normal player, I didn't have a great career. 
Uh, I'm happy with the career I've had. Uh, it could have been better, it could have been worse, but this is my, my point of view from my experiences. So I will tell you what I think uh, from what I've experienced before. Now, uh, if you listen to a player who's played for uh, Barca uh, for many years, played in the Champions League, will have a, a different opinion from a different point of view because it's been you know, on a higher level, on a higher scale. Mm. But what I, what I normally talk about and what I like to talk about is what I see uh, you know, reflecting my own, my own experiences. So, you know, if I see someone on the pitch doing something, uh, you know, what I've, when I've, my first thought is, what, what would I, you know, what would I've done in that position, in that situation? And this is what I see, and this is what I say, what I explain. Uh, sometimes I get to go on the radio and speak about Barcelona, and we have Pichi Alonso there, and he's played for Barca regularly, he scored a Pichi thing. Alonso played the, the, the semi-final of the... 1986 European Cup when Steve Archibald was injured and scored a hat-trick. A hat-trick against so Gothenburg. 3-0 down, 3-3 yes. penalties. And, um, and his view is completely different. And I like and I liked listening to him, you know, and, uh, and I learned a lot from him. Uh, so you have him talking about, you know, uh, some things and then you have me uh, from a different perspective uh, talking about Barcelona, uh, which I, I got to be very careful because they, they Graham, are extraordinary players you know I, I wasn't uh, at that level so I need to respect uh, you know players of that level because I know how hard it is I know how heavy the Barcelona shirt is uh, Real, the Real Madrid shirt is how difficult it is to play in La Liga so what I want you to understand is that when I talk about football uh, you know I do it with huge respect for the profession mm-hmm. because obviously coaches uh, players uh, I know how hard it is uh, but then I do it from a perspective of Andrea Orlandi, a player who's played you know, a few games in the Premier League, one game with Barca in La Liga, who's played mostly in the Championship. This is what I see uh, using my own experiences. So but your brain, you're, even with all the respect you've talked about, your brain and your eyes are good and your articulacy is good. You know, it, 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 I can link you immediately back to, to Brendan, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's... These are talents that really count. So with res- when you speak with respect, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. But what comes out gradually, it won't matter the level you played at. No, no, of course. Because analysis is about different things. About how well did Arrigo Saki play? Yeah. So you're Arrigo Saki. Yeah. yeah. You're not just the, the Catalan David Beckham, but <laughs> so and and there are now a number of managers. I, I'm not a fantastic fan of Jose Mourinho, but you know his achievements are extraordinary. He wasn't a player. Yeah. Um, no, you were of course, of course, of course, senior player, of course, of course, of big course. achievements. So, but I understand the point. You don't want to be a coach, which I think is crazy. You're going to be a director of football at some club, hopefully Aberdeen. Uh, <laughs> and, and when you're in charge of your club, I guess you know. Would you sign Gus Poyet as as as? A, as a, what's it like being so close to a whirlwind, a phenomenon like Gustavo Poyet? Uh, I would definitely sign Gustavo Poyet. And uh, when I've been asked about him, I've always, uh, I've always said go and sign him without even thinking uh, about, don't blink twice, just, just sign him. Uh, he's he's uh, enthusiastic. He's, he's got so much charisma. Uh, he's a motivator. I mean, I played my best football for him uh, because he, he knew what to say and when to say it. Uh, he's a clever man uh, his football knowledge is great he gives you listen most of the players we're not that intelligent <laughs> so when we talk about tactics um, uh, especially managers that like to, to train tactically and do like 30 minutes one hour sessions about how to set up the team um, 
you know, I didn't like that too much because after 10 minutes, you, you kind of switch off. What Gus has, uh, it gives you three or four ideas. He knows uh, with who can actually do more, uh, who can take more, uh, who can learn more. So he uses his players wisely. And uh, so when you go out on the pitch, you know what to do. Everyone knows exactly what he has not to do. Not an overload. Exactly. Not an overload of, of anything. You know, the, you know, the right amount uh, of what you need to go out there and perform. You know, the videos before the games, it was only three-minute videos, you know, about your strengths and weaknesses of the opposition team. And uh, you, uh, you used to go out there and probably when he was my manager at, at Brighton, uh, playing at the Amex, uh, you know, not knowing that we were going to win the game. But he also is contagious, right? Because there's a love for life, there's a love for football, there's a love for winning. He's a very competitive man. And if as a leader, coach, manager, call it what you want, if you can make that contagious, that's a special quality. And he has it? He has it. He, it, it is contagious. And I always say that uh, you have managers that, you know, they finish the speech before the games and you kind of uh, wake yourself up and say, OK, <laughs> let's go out and play with gas. You wanted to bite your teammate next to you. It was like it was like you had blood coming out of your eyes, and especially for a player like me, that I'm more relaxed. I'm I'm more calm. You know, I'm so, not someone who loses loses the head. I take things you know more easily. Uh, but he he had this, you know, and and he, he he gave me that you know that belief and that that will to go out there and just you know I won't say kill, but die for him on the pitch and uh, and to give my hundred percent. Not only for for the club I was representing, but for gas. So uh, at one moment I was like a gas soldier. I felt I felt it, and I was gonna do anything for him. Uh, I was That's ready a great for expression. It. I haven't heard the. So you, you're you've been you've been in the Jack Army, <laughs> but you're also a gas soldier. Absolutely, it's a great expression. Yeah, yeah. I felt I felt I was, and and um, because he gave me so much that I thought that I was that I owed him something as well. I don't know how to uh, how to actually. Explain that, but I I hope people understand because Gus has been in this series, long interview, beautiful interview, telling really deep things about his character, about his dad, about his lifestyle, about his attitude to football and management, and he, it comes across in in oral form as well. But I I think when I'm around him as well, that I, I maybe I'm a little bit like him in my enthusiasm for life, but I find him you know contagious. If he's my leader in anything. It doesn't matter if it was like a guerrilla war or football or badminton or chess. Graham, he, co- he, call, he called me. I was at Swansea with Laudrup and he called me and it he, he was like uh, when you go when you go to prison and they ask you, they ask you, uh, what have you, where have you been? Uh, what have you done? Where were you at 10 p.m. on the 16th or whatever? He, he asked me everything. Who is your girlfriend? Uh, do you have kids? Uh, what do you eat? Uh, you like you like partying. You like so it was. He was asking me all uh, all sorts of questions for an hour. But I tell you one thing: after one minute, uh, I wanted to sign for Brighton. Yeah. Obviously, he wanted to know more about me because he was doing his research. But I was gonna do like as you have me. I mean, <laughs> you had me after one minute. You know, uh, you don't need to go any further. I just want to go and I just want to come and play for Brighton and play for you. And we'll finish and saying. You know, you had happy family times there. Um, I think your younger daughter was maybe born in Brighton. My younger daughter was born in Brighton, yes. And you still have a huge love for the club, right? I, I love it. I love Brighton. Um, for me, leaving that club was a huge blow. Uh, I would have stayed there forever. Obviously, football 
is a is a funny business sometimes. And there was one person there that is not anymore at the club. They didn't think uh, the same, and and I I, I understood that that decisions but it really hurts and uh, to be fair since I left I've only been there once back to Brighton because it brings back memories and um, uh, not only that I played for the club I love uh, I had friends as well so I played I went out on the pitch with friends and this is something that I didn't have uh, other teams so I was playing with my friends you know to get into the Premier League uh, uh, playing for something really special and I and I felt I was, I was part of something special. So for me, leaving, especially after a season where I got injured, I had an injury again, uh, I made it back and played my worst game was my last one mm. against Derby. But that was out with your control because of injury. Yeah, but... You yeah, reached okay. and you risked, or the club reached and risked for two games in close succession when you weren't physically ready. No, I wasn't ready, but, but then again... People might say, "Well, wh- why did you play?" I have no time for that. No, 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 no. What are you going to do? Like you're going to, if you're ruined and you know you can't play, then I know you'd have said, "Listen, it's impossible." But sometimes, like for example, the, the people that you've been talking about, Iniesta plays Rome, and and in the film we made, we hear Darren saying, "I literally do not know how he played. I literally do not know." How I played, and they won. Yeah, somehow. no, no, absolutely, yeah. And uh, my teammates like, actually asked me to play as well. So what are you going to do? No, no, You're no, no, no. Play, of course. But Graham, I have this inside uh, that I I let them down, and and I really wanted to give them something back, and I didn't have the chance. This was a big moment for me, and and on that moment I should have left. Uh, I wanted to I wanted to leave England. Then I had the chance to go to Blackpool, and it was. Uh, I love the fans of Blackpool as well. Beautiful fans, great fans. They really helped us in a such a difficult season. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, uh, after Brighton, you know, I, I should have left uh, England. It was difficult to stay for me because I, I couldn't take it. I couldn't take the decision of the club. It was it was hard. It was hard because you see players wanting to leave, and when you have a player that's committed and wants to stay, and you just think, okay, you've been injured this season. How many games you played? Uh, Eighteen, I, th- I think I played that season. Not good enough, go. You're 29, 30, I can't remember my age at the time. Just we don't need you. We have So you, you get treated a bit like a piece of meat. You know, when you're nice and red, you know, we buy you. When you, when you, can, you start looking not so well, uh, we don't want you anymore. So it was hard, but still, my love for the club hasn't changed and the fans still love me, which is overwhelming. And They, they saw football with you and your teammates that they hadn't experienced often in their history and they also saw I think I think they savoured exactly what you've described a group of friends going out to, to fight to win together but also playing I would say under Oscar good but under Gus maybe some of the best football the championship has seen at Brighton has seen and you're privileged to have played in two teams both Swansea and Brighton that redefined the way that football can be played in England, Wales, whatever you say. So I'm going to close by saying maybe some of the magic that you've had in your life or I've had in my life, we can conjoin and we both know the owner and maybe one day your director of football role (laughs) is at the Amex and, and you're making sure that Brighton are on the up because you're controlling who they sign and who they sell. <laughs> and when they sell the meat, it will be a more humane, maybe a vegan one, right? Okay. That would be a, that would be a dream, Graham. Thank it, you. It's within our power together. 
This has been the big interview. Um, everybody listening to the big interview. I told you. I told you. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you, Graham. Thank you very much. Beautiful. Pleasure. I do hope you enjoyed that big interview, which was first released as an exclusive to our socios, our members who support us. If you'd like to get these interviews on the first day they're available, it's time for you to join us. To become a socio, and for only £2.99 per month, you'll get all our content entirely ad-free and ahead of its release on the main feed. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter to unlock our entire archive. By joining us, you will help support this independent podcast and we'll blow virtual kisses towards you. Thank you.